Welcome to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. I would just like to remind everybody that you can reach us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We're also on social media. But the most important thing for today is our guest, Renaud Teasdell, and he is the co-founder and CEO of My Customizer. In just a moment, I'll bet you're curious, what is My Customizer? Renaud will tell us all about what he is up to there and some little tidbits about his life and his story. And this is Heartstock. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. Welcome, and thank you so much for listening to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and today our guest is Renaud Teasdell. He's speaking with us from Quebec City. Hello, Renaud. How are you? Hi, Carol. I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> it is. Um, we're recording in my home studio here, and uh, it is very chilly. We're We're entering into some colder weather here. We've had such a a spoiled and blessed fall after kind of a difficult summer and lots of precipitation, thank goodness. So I'm really loving, loving life these days. And what are things like there in Quebec City for you, Renault? Yeah, it's pretty much the same here. We're expecting the first snow in, in the next few days, actually. It's getting colder and colder, but we like it. We like it. We like the snow. Mm-hmm. Like the cold here in Canada. Yes, and I'm so excited for the fluffy white stuff, uh, which same <laughs> here. It's going to be uh, falling on our shoulders and our uh, winter capped heads very soon. <laughs> so, what is my customizer? Can you give our listeners a little intro here as to what what it is and and what you do there? Yeah, I'm a co-founder and, and CEO of My Customizer. Um, we empower brands to offer product customization experiences with a software as a service platform. So basically, um, you know, mass customization, it's uh, the low-cost and large-scale production of fully customized products. So for example, like, uh, a very popular company doing mass customization is Nike. You can go on Nike.com and then like pick pick a, a shoe and like pick your colors, choose your materials, even write your name on, on their product. And like one step at a time, you kind of design your own perfect pair of shoes, uh, which is fully personalized to your taste. Um, and from there, if you order it, uh, they will manufacture it on demand and, and basically ship it to your door. And another example would be Subway, where you basically build your own sandwich. Uh, or we've all seen the car configurators. So that's kind of the experience we empower merchants to create. 
using our software. And and yeah, like customization, it's a growing trend because uh, in the creator economy right now, like people want to connect with their audience, they want to engage with their customers, and like as a brand, you can create a really strong and unique bond with, with your customers by allowing them to design their own products. And, and in terms of manufacturing, like manufacturing on demand actually reduces uh, the carbon footprint and waste uh, probably to an absolute minimum uh, because you're only producing the exact amount of stock needed for an order. So that's that's really great. It's also a very good like marketing strategy. Basically, our clients can really differentiate themselves from the competition by selling customizable products. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do. Uh, we we build a software empowering small and, and medium businesses to to offer that kind of experience online. Like the big guys like like Nike and Ferrari, they can afford that kind of um, of software, uh, but there was nothing below that. So yeah, we're kind of trying to bring this technology to uh, everybody. Does that answer your question? It sure does. And, you know, I really want to, I have so many questions about, you know, why mass customization is important and more and more companies are integrating this into their business model. But I wanted to really also find out more about you and what led you to this type of, I mean, you know, you obviously have a software engineering background and have done this in the past, but did you always know that this is where you were, your life was going to be leading? And yeah, yeah why, why I, this? <laughs> I actually have a, a design background. I uh, studied product design and uh, I started my career as, as a product designer at New Balance. The, the shoe company? Yeah, the shoe company. And uh, I was working inside their hockey and lacrosse team sports division called Warrior. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where I discovered mass customization. And I was lucky enough to work both on their, their customization software, but also on some custom products as well. So I've seen the manufacturing part of things. I visited many factories in Southeast Asia, uh, but also here in America. The way it started, basically, I was in charge of their their hockey customizer online, and my my friend Simon was helping me out with coding as a freelancer. And like it started really working well. We were generating a lot of sales with the customizers. So at some point, they kind of decided like, hey, this is getting big. Like we should outsource this to like a real agency. Because back then we were two young 20-something kids. But like that part of my work. So that's something I really liked about my work, like managing their their software uh, for customization. So I 
I asked Simon if he wanted to start a business and just grab the contract. So that's kind of what we did. We we started a company and we almost worked exclusively for them for about two years. Uh, and then we decided like we're building all of this technology. We should try and sell it to other businesses. So we we did a startup accelerator and transformed our business from a service business to a software as a service model. And let's back up just a little bit more. I mean, did you grow up in Canada and did your parents have a background in product development? How how did you actually enter and make your way into New Balance? Uh, yeah, I was born in LA, in LA. My father was a scientist, so he was studying at, at UCLA back then. But we moved back to, to Quebec, and uh, I, I grew up in Quebec City, Canada. I was lucky enough to, to see the world. Like I lived a year in France when I was about 12, I think. And I went to high school in a program here where the kids, we all had laptop computers and we kind of worked as a team on, on many projects in many of our courses. So that's where I, I met my co-founder, actually, Simon. And then, yeah, went into product design at the University of Montreal, studied semester in Milan in Italy. And I was kind of working as a freelancer during all that time, building websites for small businesses. And one of them was a, was a very small hockey glove company based in Montreal. And this guy actually sold his company to New Balance. So when he sold the company to New Balance, he gave me a call. I was in Italy and said, Renault just sold my business. I was handling his website and, and product customizer and said, I need you to uh, come in full time and work with me. So I accepted the offer and that's how I started working mm. at New Balance. And I'm wondering, was mass customization, this this business model of only making what the customer designs and then purchases, nothing is sitting on the shelf, was that introduced to you way back when you were, well, not that long ago? <laughs> I don't want to make you sound as old as me, but <laughs> was mass customization a thing even back then? It, it was a thing, but only if few very large businesses were doing it. Nike was doing it, Subway, Ferrari, uh, you know, the, the, the big guys. And my boss, Michel, the one who sold this company, he's the one who introduced me to that concept. And I immediately thought, well, this is genius. And, and with his small uh, company, which was called MI Sports, we were actually, everything was customizable and we were actually serving a lot of NHL players, uh, but also like as a, as a kid, like from anywhere in America, you could go on our website, customize a pair of gloves and we would build it in the factory and ship it. So I, 
I think that was genius. And, and the, the response from the customers was also amazing. You know, people were calling just to say how amazing it was and how the gloves made their nephew or, or their sons or their, their girls very happy. So I, I met it instantly thought, okay, there's a, there's a thing here. This is just going to grow and grow in the future. An aha moment, so to speak. <laughs> and now I just really wanted to hear more about your experience in the accelerator. What was that like? And was that something that you had to compete for? Were there a lot of other folks trying to get into the accelerator? Uh, yeah, when we decided to apply, we went to Founder Fuel in Montreal. It's the largest startup accelerator in Canada. And there are actually a lot of uh, startups applying. The way we went in was a bit unorthodox. We were at a startup event in, in Montreal, and I was kind of pitching the, the, the business idea. Uh, and I actually met one of the partners uh, of a venture capital fund called Real Ventures. And these guys actually managed the Founder Fuel Accelerator. So I, I was speaking with John and um, he said, well, that's interesting. You should come in like next Monday and we'll, we'll have a quick chat. And that's where, that's when he said, you guys should join Founder Fuel and we didn't really had to apply. We kind of, I guess, bypassed the process to get in. You were a, a hot ticket item and moved to the front of the line, it sounds like. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would highly recommend, I really enjoyed the experience. Like it's three or four intensive months uh, you meet with a ton of mentors, really experienced mentors, investors, and they will basically destroy your business model every day <laughs> mm -hmm. and like challenge your pricing, challenge your product, challenge everything. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, you, you have something pretty solid and all you have to do is, is kind of execute so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's like art at university. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. And just a moment, we will be back with Renault Teasdale of My Customizer. This is Artstock. This is Hardstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and our guest today is Renaud Teasdell, 
He's the CEO of my customizer. You know, I have to kind of mention that you know, my big interest with customization really related to sustainability and the fact that there is so much waste, especially anything related to a fashion or apparel. Can you kind of touch upon that? Do you see this as within the scope of, of your mission at My Customizer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We want to empower any merchant to sell customizable products. And and for sure, uh, sustainability is a is a big part of of that business model. Like in the traditional mass production model, you're really guessing. Well, we think we're gonna have demand for I don't know a thousand pair of shoes. So let's produce a thousand pair, and we think people will want will want. Red shoes, let's produce a uh, hundred of red shoes. Maybe black will be more popular. Let's do 500 pairs of black. And yeah, let's be crazy and create some, some green ones. And, you know, uh, in the end, like it's really how things are, are decided. Like the, <laughs> the marketing director sits with the sales director and, and they basically put numbers in a spreadsheet and then they send their sprint their their spreadsheet to their manufacturing probably in Asia and that's what they produce and then they hope that they're gonna sell it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, I think it's really like inefficient. Uh with mass customization you're only manufacturing what your users want. So there's a lot of waste uh, that that's avoided, uh, I guess. And I think e-commerce in general is, is really more efficient. Uh, you know, instead of driving like uh, 30 minutes to go to the store, and they don't actually have what you were looking for, uh, or they don't have your size, you have to drive to another store, uh, then you kind of buy something you didn't really want. So there's the the whole transport carbon footprint, which isn't really efficient. Uh, if, you're, if you design your product online and order it online, then someone will ship it to your door, but that person was already transiting in a very efficient way. You know, she's not only delivering to your door, she's delivering to your neighbor and, and everybody around town. So it's much more efficient. There are studies, um, I don't know, I don't want to throw numbers around, but there are studies showing um that the carbon footprint is is much lower with e-commerce. Now it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. I think uh, it will improve um, because it's in the benefit of, of the businesses to be as efficient as possible with, with shipping and manufacturing. 
Yes, and not to mention the carbon footprint of all those materials if you happen to guess wrong about what products your customers are going to purchase, the carbon footprint of all the, the materials that are then either sent to landfill. You know, I was just reading an, an article about, oh, I'm not going to mention the brand, but um, a, a big name handbag, luxury handbag company that, you know, they don't even resell them. So they just burn them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, it's, it, yeah. That that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have to we have to avoid that. It's uh, 2021. I think we're we are definitely in a climate emergency situation. We cannot keep producing stuff people don't want and send it to landfills. Yeah. It's just just terrible. So that leads me to my next question, which is kind of related to the pandemic. Have you seen your business change at all since we all started shopping more online? Yeah. At first, it was a bit scary. Um, I think for everybody got got a bit scared about the pandemic. But then, then yeah, um, like the e-commerce industry actually got a pretty good boost because of it. I think probably COVID-19 probably accelerated the shift to e-commerce maybe by five years. So cause we all realized that it's a really efficient way to to buy stuff. I myself started ordering groceries online um and even since the pandemic is is uh, is going down here in in Quebec i will keep doing my groceries online cuz it's so easy to do and i i don't have to drive to the store anymore so i think this is happening in all verticals as e-commerce and that allowed us to move forward and, and various projects uh, with my customizer. And yeah, we, um, we can complain, I guess. And how about success stories? Uh, can you share with us the impacts that you've seen working with this whole mass customization business model? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, we we uh, we have some very large uh, clients like uh, Puma or Exporting Goods uh, or the Sunto watches. But I, what I really like is is um, working with small and, and medium businesses, uh, and and I've seen uh, companies. Well, we we've worked with with your company, Carol. And I, I think you guys built uh, an amazing handbag builder, by the way. But yeah, we're we're seeing small and medium businesses having success with customization in, in many verticals. Um, for example, we've got a company from Michigan selling customizable keyboards. So basically, you can go on their website and just pick your own colors and uh, choose a few options 
and they will they will produce your keyboard, uh, ship it to your door. So these guys are 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 on fire. They're selling a ton of of keyboards and. So are these uh, computer keyboards or like piano yeah, keyboards? Key- keyboards, yeah, computer keyboards for gamers actually. Ah, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and these guys went uh, went live super fast, um, probably in. I don't know, a weekend and they were already making some sales. And and what I like about about them is that and we're seeing that with many of our clients, like customization is is their core strategy, like it's front and center on their website. You you go on their website, there's a big customized button to get started. So that's really great, but otherwise we yeah we've got hundreds of customers now, but um, brand selling custom iPhones, uh, iPad and Mac cases, um, really great product. Uh, there's a uh, guys from uh, Portland, Oregon, selling customizable skis. A company called Entrepie. One of our oldest customers, uh, I think they're from Seattle, so sandals for runners. And they've got, uh, they started with everything that's made in USA. Uh, now I think they have like a component uh, made in Japan. But like it's a super high-end product and they're using the customizer mainly for their, their made in USA line. So yeah, lots of uh, very cool companies. Uh, I really enjoy seeing uh, all those those brands starting in in many verticals. You know, from food to fashion. Um, yeah. And how might our listeners find you and um, carry on the conversation? Or if they're just interested in, in learning more about you? Uh, yeah, just maybe go on our, our website at mycustomizer.com. Um, or uh, we're also uh, compatible with the very popular e-commerce platform called Shopify. Uh, so you can find us on the Shopify app store. Um but yeah, we're also on, on Twitter, Facebook, or, or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just shoot us a, a quick email. We'll really enjoy uh, learning more about what people want to do and see if we can help. Mm. And thank you so much for sharing your story on Heartstock. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure was for me, Carol. Thanks, thanks for... Uh, this great, great talk. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock Radio. We'll be back next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org.
Passing, but on the other side. 